Welcome to Faith Church. Glad you are here today. If you're new, my name is Matthew. I serve on the pastoral team here, and it's great to be with you today. If you have a Bible, whether printed or digital, would you join me in Luke chapter 11? Luke 11 is where we'll be today. And uh, we want to encourage you to bring your Bible. If you want to scan the QR code on the screen, you can do that. Take some notes as we go. Luke 11, while you're getting there, let me give you uh, three things real quick, uh, just kind of family news for a second. Number one, today, 5 o'clock at Ellis Park, our middle school and high school connects are hanging out for some fun. So if you have a middle school or a high school or 5 o'clock, Get them there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Do we have any of our youth leaders in the room? Wave at me so I can see you, youth leaders, any of them in the room. No, if you don't know where Ellis is, find me after service. I'll hook you up and give you some information right on there. I guess everybody likes that early service right there. It'll be fun time tonight. A second thing, this Wednesday, first Wednesday prayer. First Wednesday of every month we gather to pray together, 7 to 745 some of you, you love those moments. You know what it's like to sit in the Lord's presence, and it's just wonderful. We seek Him. Some of you are terrified and worried that it's just going to be weird and awkward or whatever. I want to invite you to step out of that and join us. I promise you will leave refreshed. And then thirdly, uh, I want to invite uh, those of you that are part of our church just to pray for uh, your pastors and elders this week. Uh, we have, it's no secret uh, for over a year now, we have been actively exploring options uh, to either build or relocate because we are out of space in a lot of ways here as a church. And we have some really uh, pivotal meetings this week uh, to kind of help materialize some plans uh, for us to move forward as a family. And so if you would, just pray for us. And uh, as we have more information that we need to share, we'll do that. Uh, but until then... Would you pray? Amen? Hey, uh, Luke 11 is where we're at today. We're going to keep talking and looking at what does it look like to be the radiant people of God. Radiant is a word that means to shine brightly, to emanate light. And so we, we want to send the right light. We want to shine bright uh, and be radiant people of God. And so today I want us to look at how radiant people shine the light of Jesus so others can see the way to God correctly. We want to shine. If we're going to be radiant people who shine the light of Jesus, how do we shine the light so others can see? That's what we want to look at today. Luke 11, starting in verse 33, these are the words of Jesus. It says this, No one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Now, those of you that grew up in Sunday school, you're already thinking of the song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it. Yeah, see, we're all equally scarred. It's good. I'm glad those songs have just pierced you. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Jesus goes on to say, instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, 
your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. This is why I want you to bring your Bibles to church so that you can underline and mark and see some things in the Word for yourself. Whether digital print, I don't care, bring your Bible. You ain't got a Bible? We'll give you a Bible. Pick one up out there and bring it with you. I want you to see this. Don't miss this. It's possible, words of Jesus, to have light that you think you have, but that light is actually darkness. If you are filled with light, he goes on to say, with no dark corners, then your whole life, those of you with New Living Translation, what does it say? Your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. Oh, to be the radiant people of God, full of light and emanating light. No dark corners at all. Friends, as the radiant people of God, we want to radiate the light of God. We want to reflect the right light because we are filled with the right light. The light you fill your life with is the light you will shine and reflect outward. What you are filling your life with matters. This is what we're talking about today. And these are the words of Jesus saying, hey, listen, some of you are filling your life with a light that you think is the light, but it's actually only producing more darkness for you. You have a pseudo fake incorrect light. Now, I started thinking about lights today and this week. And as you can see, I've got some illustrations here before me of various kinds of light. And, and I think that many of these lights probably reflect and accurately depict our own faith, our own life, kind of where we're at. Some of you are, 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 are a light like a flashlight, a flashlight that's helping you search for something and see something in the dark. Some of you are on a journey. You're searching for something. You're searching for some significance. You're searching for a purpose. You're searching for some hope. You're searching for some life. You're searching for just a little bit of help. You need some. You are on a search for truth, for reality, for what is true, what you can link to, hold to, find. You are searching for something. And you are like a flashlight just on a search. A little unsettled but searching none the less. Maybe that's your, your life. It's like a search light. You're searching for things. Some of you, you are, come on, right here, you are a party light waiting to happen. Come on. She hit the floor. Next thing you know, talking about, well, hold on now. Some of you are like, you can't be clubbing up in here. You don't realize the room in which you are sitting. Like this very room used to hold some all night long. I'm just saying we're redeeming it for a better purpose. Some of you are just looking for the good time. Looking for light, 
trying to, 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 to numb away, entertain away the pain that you feel. You are just searching for something good, searching for something fun, searching for a next thing to get you beyond the pain you're feeling today. You're just trying to distract yourself. And your light is just one party light, and that's what you're after. Some of you, hold on, let me turn that off because that's annoying. Some of you, maybe you're not a party light, you're a police light. And you are legalistic and policing everyone else's life and their own faith and their own spirituality and you're just a self-proclaimed watchdog making sure everybody's doing the right thing. Ain't no neighborhood asked you to watch for nothing but you're nosy. You're putting your nose in the world's business and other people's business and you talk about business that's not your business to be talking about but you're going to talk about that business because you just want everybody to be safe and protected and everybody needs to know the information and all the things and you are just a legalistic police light searching to find Find others doing the wrong thing. And that's the kind of light that you have in you and flowing from you. But that's not maybe the light that God has called us to live under. Some of you are like this laser pointer light. Is it? There it is. I see it right here. You, you are a laser point light. You are just walking around opening the Bible and you like to point out the verses that you like while ignoring the verses you don't like. You like the idea of going to heaven. You just don't like the idea of having to obey God's ways. You like the idea of joy. You just don't like the idea of having to worship to find your joy. You like what you like in Scripture. You are taking them out of context and trying to point people at your ideas and agendas and your priorities and presentation, but maybe it's not the full truth and counsel of God's Word. And you're just trying to point out some things, but those things isn't the fullness of what God has called you to. And you're just a laser pointer light. Maybe the light of your life is a little bit different. Maybe your life is more like this match. Oh, you got a spark. You go to church on Sunday, you got a spark. It feels good. You are on fire for Jesus. And that ought to last you for about six weeks before you come back. You're not in the Word, not studying Scripture, not engaging, not serving other people. You are a match. You feel good. You light the room. It's on fire. It's a spark. And you're up and down, but it is burning ever so much until it is extinguished. Maybe your life is more like a candle, a large scented candle you you light it up in your home because you're trying to cover up some other things of your heart and faith that stink got some habits some attitudes some behaviors some thought patterns and you're just trying to cover up the smell so nobody on Sunday will notice. So you walk in and smile. Oh, I'm blessed. Getting better all the time. Life is good. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. Oh, it's good to see you, brother. You just kind of got a nice burning smell about you. But really, you're just trying to cover up for the pain, the hurt, the brokenness, the funk, the habits, 
things that are making your life not be a pleasing smell to the Lord. You're trying to mask some things. And you're calling it the light of your life. What light are you? Jesus said that if you have the light of the world, if you have the right light shining in you, it will come in like a flood and remove all darkness. We have a, a bit of a, uh, a flood light or a fill light, if you will. This fill light is something we use in, um, in our film studio to remove the shadows on the subjects so that there are no shadows on their face, no dark spaces in the room. It lights, it's meant to spill and spill the light out so it, so, so the proper thing can be highlighted and seen. Jesus said, this is the light that you need in your life that comes in bright and shines and removes every dark shadow in your heart and soul, illuminating all the things so that so that the light of God can see in you and you can see clearly. You can see what it looks like. It can fill your heart and your mind. And when you have the right light, it illuminates in such a way that all the dark places go. Now, we, we have a, some turns of phrases that we use in our, in our world. We say that when you have a good idea, it's like a light bulb goes off in your head. Like, oh, I got an idea. Bing! We, we think about, uh, we, we talk about how your thoughts are, are kind of like an illumination. Jesus said it like this, I am the light of the world. The word of God is the light of Christ shining in us. There is, when you think about light today, I want you to think about truth. Jesus says, I am the way I am the truth, I am the light. When you get the light of Jesus, the truth of God, shining in your life accurately, it removes the dark corners of your heart, your mind, and your soul. Jesus is this, this light. They're, your thoughts are the illumination within you. They are illuminating your, your soul. They're illuminating who you, who you are. My, my question is... Can you tell the difference between a thought from God and a thought from the enemy? Can you tell a difference between a truth and a lie? Can you tell the difference between what is true and what is a deception? Pastor Clayton and I talk often about uh, uh, the advancements coming in technology with AI and uh, how uh, with uh, AI-generated images, you can generate an image that looks very, very real, but it's not an actual image of what is true. In fact, what they're doing now is they're writing fake headlines, filling the spaces of social media and the Internet, and they are using images generated by AI that are not real, but they look very, very real. There are some fun ones out there, like Bible characters, like if 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 during the days of, of the Old Testament, if they could take a selfie, what would those look like, right? Like, I've seen some of those. Those are pretty funny, like Moses hanging out in the Nile with all the frogs. That's a pretty funny selfie generated by an AI bot of some kind. It's all really, really fascinating and all really, really something we should be cautious of. 
Can you tell a difference between what is true and what is a counterfeit? What is a truth and what is a lie? What is true and what is a deception? You know, a lie is something that is untrue, but it sounds very convincing. A lie is something that is untrue, but it sounds very convincing. A deception is something that has partial truth to it, but leads you to a wrong conclusion. It's true-ish. It sounds good, it sounds right, it sounds true, and it has elements of truth in it, but it leads you to a wrong conclusion. That's a deception, a lie and deception. I, I remember when my older sister was learning to drive, and uh, she was driving, my, my dad was in the, the passenger seat, and, and we were, she was driving the minivan around, and I remember uh, coming up to a stop sign, and I remember telling her, I said, hey, Cheryl, uh, you do realize uh, that all of the stop signs with a white outline around it are optional. All of the stop signs have white lines around them, friends. And my sister goes, oh, really? That's awesome. I don't like stopping at some of these stop signs. To which my dad quickly stood up and said, no, 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 Cheryl, Cheryl, Cheryl. He's lying. They all have white around them. Lies. They sound really convincing, but they're not true. Deception. It has elements of truth to you, but it leads you down a conspiracy road that leads you to a conclusion that's not true. Things that you want to be true, but they're not true. Things that sound right, but they're not right. See, we think working more hours will make us feel good about our money situation, but it's a deception and a lie. You won't feel secure until you give your finances over to the Lord. See, we think partying will help us enjoy life, but all we get is a growing regret of the night before. We think having sexual partners will give us real intimacy, but it only leaves us empty and lonely. We think reacting in anger will make us feel better, but it only damages relationships and reputations. We think... Raising our kids to be successful at sports or getting good grades is the right thing. But all we're doing is producing a, a, an achievement-based merit to where they only feel like they're loved and valued if they achieve certain things, all the while ignoring their character development of who they are becoming. We think it's this but it leads us somewhere else. We think what we're getting is the light, but Jesus says we're actually ending up in more darkness. What light are you allowing into your life? Which light are you replicating in the world around you? Light matters. These things matters. James writes in his, in his book in the New Testament that God is the father of light and in him there is no shadow of turning or changing. When you get to know God, you are getting to know light. In other words, when you get to know who God is, you are getting to know truth. 
When you get to know truth, you begin to recognize lies and deceptions and won't fall to any other. When you get to know God, you are getting to know the voice of truth. And when you hear the voice of the good shepherd, the strange voice you will not follow. This is what God is trying to communicate, that the light of God's word produces truth, and his truth is what leads us to a, light, a life where there is no darkness. In other words, when you get to know truth, you become radiant. The radiant people of God are filled with the light of God that fills a room with the truth, and there is no shadow left because he removes it. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, uh, Paul writes, and he says this, he says, Satan parades around as an angel of light, but he's actually darkness. Be because many of us think we've got the right light, but we are only actually growing in darkness. We think the lights that we have coming in our lives are the right lights, but... Perhaps we're growing in darkness. I love how Psalms 119, verse 130 says it. The entrance of your word brings light. Oh, if you want to walk in the light, if you want to have truth, if you want to be able to discern in the days and the seasons and the weeks and the months ahead of your life what is true and what is a lie, what is true and what is a deception, what is true that your emotions are trying to convince you of, and what is actually truth. See, your emotions tell you the truth. Your emotions are a gift from God. Emotions tell you the truth about what you believe. But what if what you believe isn't true? How do we reconcile those things? The entrance of your word gives light. God, your word brings light. It gives us illumination. Uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle, he says it like this. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. A lie believed as truth will impact and affect your whole life as if it were true. In other words, it is possible to build an entire construct of your own life and family and understanding of our, soci of our social system, of our society, of politics, of the world. You can construct something so well that you think is true, but it actually leads you to a place. And you are building it on what you think is true, but what if what you think is true isn't actually true? I love how Jesus said it. He says, it's actually, um, by the way, your eyes that fill your soul with light. Your eyes. Your neighbor's eyes. I remember um, when uh, my wife and I were uh, in Bible school, and uh, we weren't really dating yet, um, but, but we were noticing some things. We were noticing each other. I remember sitting in uh, Bible school in our uh, chapel services, not paying a single, uh, not paying attention at all to what was being said or done on stage. I just was catching eyes with this woman that I happened to see. And I always was looking to see if she was looking at me. And she was. 
Come on, after 20 years, your boy still got it. I'm just saying. But there was something that our eyes would catch and I would see in her eyes and see in my eyes and all of a sudden there was something that was beginning to fill my soul. Because your eyes not only reveal what's going on on the inside, your eyes are the way in which you fill what you want in your soul. There was a man uh, by the name of Keith Wheeler and, and just such an inspiration in his life and ministry and I remember uh, sitting again in, 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 in our discipleship course that we were in in Bible school and remember listening to Keith Wheeler talk about his love for Jesus. And um, man, to this day, when I think about his words, it moves me in such a, such a deep way. But when he talked about God's love for him, it moved me even more. And Keith Wheeler would read through the New Testament often and he said that he would often go into this bathroom, flip the light on, and look in his eyes in the mirror. And as he was looking in his eyes in this mirror, he would say, God, help me see Jesus in my eyes. And then he would say, God, would you help others see Jesus through my eyes today? I wonder if you would humor me for just a minute. I wonder if you would be willing to make quiet eye contact with somebody you're sitting next to, making sure that your eyes are happy and smiling. Did you know you can smile with your eyes and not your mouth? Happy eyes. Have happy eyes. And silently pray as you look at them in the eye and say, God, would you help them see how much you love them through my eyes right now? Would you do that? Take, take just a minute. Go ahead, turn, turn, turn to your neighbor. Happy eyes. Make eye contact. Go ahead. Safe place, safe place, safe place. It's a lot of talking for silent eye contact. A lot of talking for silent eye contact. If you are like, if you're in love with the person next to you, use a little self-control right now. Just a little self-control. Goes a long way here, friends. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, turn to your turn to the next neighbor. If you don't have another neighbor, pull out your cell phone, put it in selfie mode, and look at yourself. It's all right. Go ahead, do it. Do it, do it. Look at the person that you rejected the first time that's on your other side. Look at them. Make eye contact. Happy eyes. God, help them see the love of God in my eyes. Now, eyes up here, eyes up here, eyes up here. It feels awkward. It feels different. But, but what if the radiant people of God were so full of the light of Jesus from his word that when people looked at you in their eyes, they actually saw Jesus' love? What if they saw the joy from who you are? I think church ought to be one of the most happiest, healthy eye contact places that people walk into. I'm not trying to avert and not make eye contact with people, but man, we are happy to make eye contact with people. So that they know they're loved, they're cared for, believed in, welcome, adopted. The light of Christ fills them because he's filled you. And they get to see some of Jesus in your eyes. The eyes play a role with your soul. So let me say it this way. What you gaze at, you will be guided towards. What you gaze at is what you'll be guided towards. When you look at the right things, 
your whole life will be full of the right things and move in the direction of right things. What you gaze at, you are guided toward. There's a a great book out there. It's called uh, Mindset Matters. Uh, How how many of you have read the book Mindset Matters? Come on, wave your hand. All right, awesome. Did you know it came out in hardback? It's pretty awesome. Uh, I'm not sure who the author is, but I think I like him. Um, th- does anybody, uh, anybody not read this book yet, but would maybe like a free, free copy? Here, here you go, here you go, here you go. Let me give you this. Enjoy that, read that. It'll be, it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, Mindset Matters. My, in, in the book Mindset Matters, um, I, uh, in case you, spoiler alert, I wrote it. Um, in case you weren't sure how that was all going right there. Uh, I, when I wrote it several years ago now, uh, in the introductory chapter, I talk about how um, your mind is like a GPS control in your phone. Now, one of the things your GPS can do is tell you where you're at right now and how to get somewhere. What it can't tell you is where you should go. Your GPS will only give you a route based on the data you input. Your life will navigate to the destination according to the data and input you put in. So if you're just scrolling through TikTok all the time, you are inputting data that's taking you somewhere because what you look at forms thoughts and your thoughts will move you in the direction of your most dominant thought. So if all you're doing is looking at criticism and negativity and on the Facebook train of all the things, you're, you're looking at how people are hiding stuff in the government and, all, and you're looking at this and you're looking at that and you're looking at, a, you're watching WebMD. Oh my gosh, well, I've got a bump right here. That bump, it must be cancer. Oh my gosh, cancer is coming from my neck. I can't, and all you're doing, what are you, your life will move in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. My kids, I'm so worried about them and how are they going to make it in school and what are, what are their friends? Who are their friends? Who's texting them? Who's not texting them? Why aren't they being invited to things? Your life will move in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. Why? Because your mind set matters. Your life is moving in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. So here's my question. How do you change your thoughts? to take you to a place that you actually want to go. The Bible calls it renewing your mind. Let's look at it. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Flip. If you're on a paper Bible, flip to the right several pages. Romans is the sixth book in the New Testament. Romans chapter 12, Paul is writing to Christians who are living in, wait for it, Rome. And the church in Rome was living at an epicenter of political power, was living in an epicenter of cultural party, was living in an epicenter of um, sensuality, was living in an epicenter of so much of culture that if we were to draw the parallels between our world today and their world, your mind would be like, oh man, that's a little too close to home living in a place where everything was vying for their allegiance. Caesar is Lord. Actually, Jesus is Lord. 
And they found themselves in a moment where their faith would be wavering. They would be wondering if, if God is, is doing the right thing. They would be wondering all of these things. And they would have a lot of data sources that they could fill their heart and life with. And here are the words of Paul in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead. Somebody say plead. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Because of all that God has done for you, I, I, I'm, I'm pleading, I'm begging you to offer your bodies, not just your minds, not just your thoughts, not just your once a week, one hour at a time to God that you call church attendance, not just that, but your whole being. Why? Because faith is not a disembodied agreement with intellectual ideas. Faith is an embodied um, understanding of a, mo of a life given in surrender to a king who has given his all for you. Faith is your allegiance. What you do with your body and your life demonstrates faith. And so he says, I, I beg of you to present your bodies to God for all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Pause. If there is a kind of sacrifice God finds acceptable, then is it possible that there are things that we could do with our bodies that God would find unacceptable? I plead with you. Have your life, the destination of your life, the light coming from your life. May the light coming from your life be holy and pleasing to God. Make sure it's the right light. He goes on to say this, for this is a true way to worship him. And do not, verse 2, copy the behavior and the customs of this world but let god transform you somebody say transform but let god transform you into a pickle if you weren't here the last three weeks go back and watch the sermon you'll see it here let god transform you into a new person how, God, how do you want to transform my life? How do you want it to be different? How do you want it to become radiant instead of radioactive in our world? How do I let my life shine the light of Christ rather than shining a police siren, shining a match that gets burnt out eventually without pointing, laser pointing things, without party light? How do I let the light shine from me that is the right light, God? By changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for your life which is oh it's good God's will is pleasing oh God's will it's, it's, it's pretty perfect don't copy the behaviors and the ways of culture and what you think is true but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me say it this way. What you behold 
you will become. What you look at, study, see, read, know, examine, you will become. Children mimic what they see more than what they're told. And all the parents said, oh, help me, God. You can tell a child to do something all you want until you are blue in the face, raising volume all you want, but they are actually reflecting what they see. Not just from you, but from everything else. Uh, I, there's an ongoing battle in my home, some behavior that my, uh, my wife would very much like our children to understand that when they're finished with their dishes... Uh, they clean the plate off and put it in the dishwasher. Come on, how many of you mothers are like, that struggle is real, Pastor. Can we just intercede for five minutes right now? Right? Like, and I remember, like, she, come on, guys, put your dish. Your dish doesn't go there. It belongs in the dishwasher. She's trying to teach them some good skills in life. I, I agree. And I would chime up, yeah, guys, do what your mother says. Don't back talk to her. You, you, you have a problem with her, you're going to have a problem with me. And she was like, whose coffee cup is on the counter? <laughs> don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Oh, my kids, they're just doing what they see. I don't know what's wrong with this generation today. They're always on their phones, and they're just looking at stuff. Hey, Mom! Hey, Mom! Hold on one second, sweetheart. I don't know why my kids are always yelling all the time, getting upset, talking back, raising their voice. I don't know what they got that from. Oh, wait, Dad. Oh, how I long for my kids and your kids to become radiant people of God because who they behold in front of them isn't perfect, but are also being transformed into the radiant people of God because they see the right light more than they see the wrong light. Because we become what we behold. So the question is, what are we beholding? The, the, the Bible and the Apostle Paul says to be transformed by changing your mind. Here's what Paul is telling you to do. Meditate on the truth. Biblical meditation is God's idea. Mindfulness is Satan's counterfeit to what God created. Secular mindfulness will tell you to empty your thoughts to become one with yourself. Biblical meditation will tell you to renew your thoughts and replace the thoughts that you have with the truth of what God has said so that you can become more united with Christ. A world of difference. Biblical meditation, the Bible talks about it. See, when you meditate on the Bible, you begin to rewire how your brain goes. you beginning to smooth out old ruts of how you used to think. Thoughts that you get stuck in begin to be leveled out because you are renewing those grooves into creating new grooves of truth that you move in. That's biblical meditation. It's replacing so that you can be renewed on the inside. In the book, 
uh, winning the war in your mind, Pastor Craig Rochelle says this. He's summarizing cognitive bias. And he says this. Cognitive bias is the tendency of people to view reality according to the lens of what they expect to see. What they expect to see. Uh, In other words, your brain is already preconditioned to see what you want to see. So when you're searching for something online, you're only looking for something that your brain is telling you that you should be seeing. Cognitive bias, the tendency of people to view reality according to the lens of what they expect to see. This is why you live in an echo chamber on your social media feed. It's only showing you the things that you've viewed before. It's not showing you more truth. It's just showing you what you've seen before. Creates an echo chamber. You're not getting unfiltered opinions. You're getting filtered through your last opinion that you sought for. That's what you're getting. Please don't hear like, burn social media, get rid of it all. Like, okay, chill out for a minute. Some of you do need to detox, and that's probably a good thing. But he says this, cognitive bias is the tendency of people to view the reality according to the lens of what they expect to see. The brain filters the enormous input of information and sensory experience which it receives interpreting the data according to the neural pathways that have been established by previous thoughts, by your previous emotional reactions and responses, and by your previous expectations. A person who has struggled for a long time, say with fear or anxiety, is far more likely to perceive the world as full of danger than a person who does not share those struggles. Because your thoughts are rewiring your brain to see the world a certain way. Your thoughts are being renewed according to something that you are beholding all the time. Here's the good news. When you change what you behold, come on, the neuropathways begin to refire and train again, and you begin to become something, someone, made in the image and the likeness and the fullness of Christ. There's so many benefits to biblical meditation, friends. Helps you get easier to dig into Scripture. Helps you reduce feelings of stress and anxiety. Helps you combat sadness and grief. Biblical meditation. The the practice of it helps you guard against sin in your life. The the practice of of biblical meditation and renewing your mind, it, it actually helps build a healthier habit of spiritual, emotional, and physical wellness in your life. It gets you out of the funk because you're walking into the light of truth. Pastor, what do you mean? How how do I renew my mind? I think first thing is to recognize the lies. I think the second thing is to relax, slow down, and take some deep breaths. Taking a deep breath does wonders for your brain. Not taking a deep breath damages your brain. Don't believe me? Stop breathing. See what happens. Then you begin to recite scripture aloud. 
Lord, I thank you that your word, the reading of your word brings light to my soul. I thank you that Psalm says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I thank you that John 10 says that my sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger I don't follow. I thank you that Ephesians tells me that you who began a good work, oh, you're the one that's going to complete the good work. Oh, I thank you that I can be slow to anger, quick to listen. I thank you that you've forgiven me much and I can forgive others. What is it that the lie has been saying? The best scriptures to do are to find the scriptures that you can replace the lie with. And then you repeat that same process again and again. I've tried to get in a pattern. I'm not always great at it, but it is my goal by the end of the year to be much better at it. But every Friday, which is kind of like my wife and I's day off, Sabbath time, I have been reading through the book of 1 John out loud. Reading it to myself. Why? Because Psalm says the entrance of your word brings light. I'm just reading the truth of God's word. Well, pastor, what lie are you? I don't know. I just know I need more of God's word to be heard in my ears, so I have to say it with my mouth. You can't say something and think something different at the same time. It's really difficult to do. So when you are saying something aloud, the word meditate means to mutter to oneself. It's the idea, the biblical word uh, uh, in Hebrew of meditation is, is kind of the idea of how a cow chews the cud, kind of brings it back up and chews it again. Digests it, brings it back up and chews it again. I've heard that verse before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say the verse again. Declare it again. Speak the truth again. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we can have fellowship with one another because the light of God is what brings hope and healing and friendship and fellowship. The light of God is what illuminates the dark corners of my life that I need to repent from. The light of God's word. I'm just speaking the word of God over and over and over again. This is how you renew your mind. And when you replace the lies with the truth of God's word, your life begins to move in a new direction. Friends, the radiant people of God renew their minds according to God's word. If we're going to shine the right light for others to find the right way to God, oh, we have to renew our minds according to the truth of God's word. Because his word brings light it's it's a lamp to our feet and a light to the path we need to walk in it's his word that's living and active that's alive it's his word that we read and read aloud sometimes you just need to build a practice and a habit of whatever you're reading that day in the bible read it aloud to yourself so you hear it and say it because you're renewing your minds to the truth of what God has said and it transforms who we are and it moves us in the right direction would you stand with me would you close your eyes we're just going to linger for a minute not long take some deep breaths 
be still in the presence of God. Just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Maybe there's some thoughts that are lies that are coming to the surface about your identity and who you are and you're recognizing that's a lie that I need to replace. Maybe there's some things that God is asking to reshape in who you are. He's wanting to transform and there's some scripture that you're going to say and do again and again. God, we just want you. Jesus, we want your light of your word to shine in us. Lord, it's your word that is the only guaranteed correct light. Everything else casts a shadow in our life. But your word is true. So Lord, help us be people who read your word, who memorize your word, who recite aloud and read aloud your word so that our minds and our thoughts begin to move us in your direction, God. May we become the radiant people, shining brighter than the noonday sun because we have beheld the glory and the goodness and the truth of who you are, God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I really hope today's message was life-giving. As a church, we want to help you encounter God and take another next step in your allegiance to Jesus. I want to ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social, text a coworker the link, just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub, faithchurchks.org. You'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith, including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him. Hey, we love you. And until we get to hang out again, remember, don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus.